0: And look who's coming up! All right, Tom Gazzola is joining us now. He is uh, of TSN 1260, TSN, and of course NHL.com. And man, it's a uh, it's a big one tonight, Tom. We got the Oilers and the Canucks, and you know, I-, I wonder if this is a Canucks team that that you see being able to, you know, unseat somebody and make the playoffs. Uh, Br- uh, Bruce Boudreau. Took them very close last year. Do you see this Canucks team being able to unseat somebody in the Pacific? First of all, do you think there'll be th- more than three teams in the playoffs for the Pacific? And do you think the Canucks can be one of them?
1: Uh, Dino, uh, first of all, welcome to my bedroom. Uh, the Jason Greger show is happening in my living room. So <laughs> uh, Jason Strudwick ruled in and I've been, I've been relegated to my own room. So I apologize. <laughs> Struddy kicked you out? Like, why isn't Struddy in the bedroom? Well, <laughs> Strutty and Gregor, Gregor's already doing his show. He's an hour in. And Strutty just oh, got here. They're so they're both I was like, there. They're both there. So I've uh. just like, I stuck it to my own room and I'm here <laughs> doing the show. So I wouldn't miss it for the world. And, and here it, we are. I'm so anyway, to, to get to your question, um, I think the Canucks are in tough, to be honest with you in this Pacific Division, because... I don't think they're getting past Edmonton. I don't think they're getting past Calgary. I think that the the LA Kings are going to have another solid year. I think that that might be an upstart team in the Pacific. And then the Vegas Golden Knights, if they get some goaltending, they could be in the mix as well. And Vancouver, uh, they do have some really nice pieces. They truly do. If Phileas Pedersen is having a great season, if Brock Besser with his hand injury and the surgery he had, if he – heals up and he's good to go he's going to be good to go tonight against the oilers if he has a good season and horvat is solid as he usually is and jt miller can be a hundred point guy or somewhere around there again that might put them close especially if they're getting the goaltending from demko but they're gonna have to clean up their penalty kill which was almost historically bad last season finished 29th uh and then they're gonna need a lot of power plays which was really good in the top 10 for them last year they're the type of team that's going to have to mock and grind games to to win, and I think they might get into some trouble because of their back end, especially if you're missing guys like Tyler Myers who's an, isn't going to play tonight i I think this is a team that you know probably is excited about the season and, and there's hype around Bruce Boudreau and a lot of elements to like but I, I don't know. I look at the roster and I go this this might be a team that." is closer to being on the cusp of making the postseason, but not quite getting there. And I still think LA is a better team, Edmonton, Calgary, and maybe even the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: So the Canucks would probably be the cutoff point of of a team like Anaheim, San Jose. I think all those teams are just rebuilding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Obviously, Arizona be bad for Bedard. So, do you think? Like, I I think this is the Central divisions five. Um, I don't know if it'll be the same five in in the past, but like, I think uh the something really bad has to happen in the Central for them not to get five in. I, I think it's the toughest, hardest division, and I think the Cup's going to go through there again this year
1: it very well could I mean Minnesota looks like they've they've regrouped just nicely I know that there was some cap issues that Bill Guerin and his crew needed to deal with and I think they got through it okay Uh, the Blues there's no reason to believe that they're not going to be half decent again and and the abs are the abs obviously and uh, Nashville and Dallas seem to have a decent thing going although I found it interesting that Dallas decided to make a coaching change same with the Golden Knights I guess you can make that argument as well but yeah, if you're in the Central Division, you have to like your chances of making the postseason. Uh, maybe another team in the Pacific will sneak in there. And and I'm I think just really quickly, Dino, to go back to the Pacific, I think the Seattle Kraken might actually be better than San Jose and Anaheim this mm. year. They have a little bit more balance, it seems like. And and you don't look at that roster and go, boy, that guy's a superstar. That guy's a superstar. But you go through it and you're like. That's a good team. There's good NHL players like on all four lines and all three deep pairings. The goaltending maybe a little suspect, but I think the Kraken are going to surprise a few people. Not to the point where they're pushing for a playoff spot, but yeah, you're right. The Central Division probably it's going to have four, maybe all five uh, or five teams cracking the postseason. But I think a team like Vegas and uh, might have a say about that from the Pacific side of things
0: well with to your seattle point they they' certainly played a uh, much more button down defensive style and you 're building down the middle you you know you're you can have uh uh who's the the chain right, sorry, and Maddie Beneers. Yep. Uh, so you've got yep. real strength down the middle. You've got some veterans there. So actually, I like that. I like Seattle surpassing uh, San Jose. Maybe and Anaheim is kind of on the rise, but still not there yet. When you look at Vegas, yep. you know, I, 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 the reason they made that coaching change, I, I fully think is because they looked at their goaltending situation and said Robin Leonard is going to be out for the year. We need a defensively minded coach, and that 's what Bruce Cassidy was, so they bring him in and it look look at last night they allowed seven shots in the third period. they gave out thirty in total, but they put fifty one on that and only seven in the third period to to win the game that 's what Bruce Cassidy is going to do Logan Thompson Laurent Pressois, whoever is going to be there is going to get help yep. from from the system, and you know that that I look at Seattle and Vegas their improvements will be from from the back end, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Dino, ironically enough, it was L.A.'s system that kind of vaulted them into where they got to last season as well. Right. So maybe, you know, stealing a page from their book, Bruce Cassidy is. And let's see how it goes with the Golden Knights. I mean, a bit of a fall from grace from last season, but they do have a, a few pieces that you look at and you go, geez, that's a hell of a player. Uh, you could start with Eichel. You could go to Mark Stone. Uh, You look at the back end with Alec Martinez and Petrangelo and Shea Theodore, like all of the elements are there. And even the secondary scores, Marcia, so coming off a 30 goal season, Uh, you know, we've seen William Carlson, you know, light it up offensively, albeit a few years ago, but like, there are nice pieces there. Riley Smith is another one that this Golden Knights team in theory should be good, but you alluded to it. If the goaltending isn't there to make the saves, If it's seven in a period in the third or if they get caved in because another team's i I don't know taking advantage of them or they let in some bad goals because you can overcome bad goaltending and i think it's fair to say we saw it here in edmonton for a few years where people looked at the tandem of miko koskinen and mike smith and would say that's the 30th 31st 32nd ranked goaltending tandem and they made the postseason three years in a row going to a conference final so there is a precedent there absolutely and whichever goalie between brossois uh, Thompson and even Aiden Hill, who's in the mix now, takes the, mm. the bull by the horns and runs with it, then maybe they could put something together and even climb up into that top three in the Pacific if another team falters.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the Oilers. Home opener tonight against uh, the Canucks, who we just talked about. Um, I, I look at this like, what a start. To the schedule. I mean, just hand it to them on a platter. And if you worked with this team on enough seasons where you guys had bizarre starts or you start out East. I mean... The six home games, the six uh, homestand, right to start the year is 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 excellent, and I think nine of twelve or something. It's a really good start uh, to the season. Um, and you talked about goaltending. I think Jack Campbell has a chance to be a top ten goaltender this year because he's going to get a lot of wins. Like I I was looking at it yeah. through the schedule. I think the Oilers can win fifty one games this year. I think that's a, a a target, and I think Campbell, like a Darcy Kemper in Colorado, can be a top ten goaltender based on the team um is that do, do you look at um obviously it's the biggest change in in uh, in the offseason but maybe somebody that people aren't thinking about uh on the edmonton oilers right now it could be jack campbell but everybody talks about dry mcdavid uh, all those guys who is somebody that maybe didn't get enough credit or you're looking at maybe having a bigger year than some people are projecting on this edmonton Oilers team
1: Yeah, for like a a dark horse or a sleeper pick guy to watch, I mean, I think it would be easy to say Evan Bouchard because of the type of year he had, but he kind of flies under the radar and and falls down the wayside when it comes to the pecking order for this group. So it's his sophomore year. He's interesting because Dino, like, is he going to follow up last year, which was his first true full National Hockey League season with an even better year? Or will he have the quote-unquote sophomore jinx and 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 take a step back and we'll see because he's going to start with ryan murray in the third pairing and i think that's the oilers kind of easing him back into the year and and not putting too much on his plate uh, right out of the gates and and putting a guy like tyson berry into that second pairing with brett kulak and listen jay woodcroft dave manson if they see something that's not working they're pretty quick to switch it up so this might only be a, a couple games thing or or might be a thing that extends into a couple months. So it's up to the player to dictate that. And then another guy to really keep an eye on uh, that I think will quietly responsibly put together a good season is Ryan McLeod. There's a a lot of intrigue there because, you know, people see his speed, his ability to transport the puck, especially through the neutral zone. He's going to get penalty kill time. He takes face offs him and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are going to split face-off duties on that third line with Warren Fogle, at least to start out the season. And I think he's a guy who could solidify himself as a really good third-line player that, that gives you a little bit of offensive punch when when you need it in a in a game where, you know, maybe McDavid and Drysidel aren't giving you what you need and you need a big goal at a timely point in the game. And Ryan McLeod could be a guy who elevates to that type of player that just at the right moment, he could take advantage because he's skilled enough, he's got the hockey IQ, and maybe he feels comfortable enough in his position on the team as a guy that's not necessarily counted on to contribute all the heavy points, that he could chip in with a few and put together a really nice year. Uh,
0: what do you think about, uh, you, you know, you've, you've been a part of uh, this, this Oilers team, and they used to have a really cool show, Oil Change. What do you think of Oilers Plus Plus? Uh, that's coming out. I, I love any kind of behind-the-scenes access. I think it's great. I thought NFL Films was the king of that, taking us down on the field in the very beginning. So I love any kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. Y- you know, you got to live behind-the-scenes with the Oilers. But what do you think of Oilers Plus And what do you think it'll be like for Oilers fans? Do you think it'll be like oil change?
1: I do think it'll be like oil change. Obviously, it's going to be guarded the same way oil change was <laughs> in terms of what information you get now where i think it will give you more access to is like the true behind the scenes day to day not necessarily like the the drama or the the chatter or the the issues that the team are dealing with but if you want to see like what it's like day to day in and around the team yeah. not on the the types of interviews that we would do in media and, and, you know, in the locker room and stuff like that, that's where I think that these guys are going to have their advantage. And you could just get a little taste and, and get an idea of the, the, the way the room works and all of that, but they're not going to necessarily take you into those deep diving conversations like an oil change used to do and all the other documentaries and series that we've watched over the years, because I think people, I don't know, I feels like people are kind of over that type of show, but they still want to see, and get a glimpse of what it's like. And, and that's where I think this, this Oilers plus and the drop as they're calling it will give you a sense of like, what's it like in the room right after a win? And, and like, what are the hallways like who's high-fiving who? And Mm -hmm. I think you'll see more of those types of sequences where the camera follows a certain guy. And uh, that's, that's my sense of it. At least watching the guys doing uh, the behind the scenes shooting for this. Um, And plus, you know, Oil Change was a Don Metz, uh, Mike Bealy production, and and there was a certain style to it, which was fantastic, highly, highly well-regarded, and um, this is a different crew entirely, so I think you're going to see a different style from it as well.
0: Yeah, I remember my, my wife, Trish, worked with uh, Dawn, so I remember the, uh, you know, not, not that she was telling me what was left out, but it's just like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not going to make it in because no team is going to yeah. air their dirty laundry in, the, in their own production. Yeah. But you're right, it is a really cool thing to, to give you, like, what, are, what is a road trip like? What, are, what do they do on the road? Like, different things. or the, How do the equipment guys get it all done? And uh, I think, you know, a lot of people don't know about the cooperation between the home and visiting teams when it comes to all that yep. stuff. You know, you might be bitter rivals between the Flames and the Oilers, but you work together when you get to the rink to get a lot of that stuff, son. So I'm interested in all that stuff. I think it'll be uh, really cool. You're not going to get um, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins standing up and complaining because he's on the third line. You know, you're going to get kind of the the fun, fluffy stuff, which is interesting that Ryan Nugent-Hopkins is on the third line. I'd like to stand up and complain because I don't really like it, but... You have got and the two biggest stories on a training camp: Yasi Puliyarv and Dylan Holloway, and they both make the top six according uh, to the line rushes today. And this is without Kyler uh, Yamamoto, so so that throws a wrench into things whenever that does happen. But your thoughts on these two guys, a still being with the team and where they are and playing with who they're playing with tonight?
1: Uh, we'll, let's start with uh, the lightning rod of controversy, Yasi Puliyarv. <laughs> I'm Dino. I'm frankly, surprised he's still on the roster. And I think it's more so uh, tell to where the league is and what the actual ask for Jesse RV is. Not a lot of teams are calling the Oilers about him. There's not a lot of interest for Jesse RV. They don't regard him the same way as the heavy analytics-based crew and and fans' uh, view and... Appreciate Yessi Pugliarvi, so there was only a handful of teams that called on him, and the offers weren't great. But I am still a little bit surprised he's here. Now, the fact that he's on the top line, I think it is just directly related to the fact that Kyler Yamamoto is a little bit nicked up. He might be good to go by Saturday, by the way. And so it's an opportunity for Yessi to either drive up his stock or just get his confidence back, contribute to the team, prove everyone he can be a bona fide top six NHLer. What a better opportunity, what better uh, opportunity than this, than to play with Evander Kane and and Connor McDavid. So he may as well take advantage of it. Um, As for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's still going to touch all elements of the game. He's going to be on Mm -hmm. power play one. He's probably going to get all of his minutes five on five. He has a good tandem with Zach Hyman on the PK. And so I think with him, it's more of the all around game. His face offs still aren't particularly great. But uh, I think when and if the Oilers are in a crunch for a goal or two, we'll see we'll still see Nugent Hopkins get bumped up to, you know, on the ice in the last couple of minutes of the game. He's still going to be around 18 to 20 minutes. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. Still kind of fluid with this lineup. And uh, the fact that he's penciling at the three center slot, I think he's okay with and won't make a big stink. But as you know, Dino. Here in our market, there are people that look at that and can't get over the fact that he's in three-center and yeah. that shouldn't be the case for a guy making over $5 million a year. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it, it, when you talk about face-offs, like if Ryan Newt Hopkins could get stronger at face-off with the minutes he plays – he would have, he would start getting some selkie, uh, some selkie talk because he does play harder minutes, but it's the, the face offs yeah. that, that probably hold him back. It's so interesting. And you mentioned kind of the market and I look at it on Twitter and, you know, you've got two guys. They're both in the top six in Pugliarvi and Holloway, and there couldn't be a more different outlook from portions of the fan base on two guys. Like, one guy is the guy on the way up, the young guy. The other guy is on his way out. They're not that much different in age, really, uh, in experience they are, but the outlook with the two guys is so vastly different, and that's that's it's wild, the paradox between them.
1: Very fair, but you, you look at their games and they're different types of players. Like mm-hmm. Holloway skates well with the puck. He makes the little plays, not just in the offensive zone. He's not just creating havoc in the offensive zone the same way Jesse Puliarvi is able to do with his big frame. But But it's those little subtle plays that Holloway makes. It's confidence when transporting the puck. It's finding that open man in the offensive zone he seems to have more confidence and a better knack at that than Yessi Pouliarvi. Yessi Pouliarvi's game can be somewhat haphazard at times. Uh, he goes to the right areas of the ice, and he puts himself into the right positions, either to you know screen a goalie, maybe get a deflection goal, or bang home some loose change. But there's times where he gets set up for a one-timer, and it goes through his legs. And, and unfortunately, we've seen that time and time again. And, and that's probably, you know, why there's that thought on on the confidence level in in uh, a RV compared to that in a Dylan Holloway who you watch and you look at his game and you go, yeah, I can see what that guy's doing. He's putting together something pretty good there. Watch him go and rise. And then the other guy you look at and you go, geez, you know, like he did three out of four things right, <laughs> but it's that last thing he just totally messed up and, and that's kind of what the yes, Poliarvi's detriment has been over the last, I don't know, let's say eight months, nine months.
0: You know what it's like? It's like Ron Hextall used to give up one bad goal a game. You know, he'd make a lot of great saves, but he would give up, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of goalies that are like that. And sometimes yeah. that's all you focus on is, well, it was the bad goal. And, you know, if it's the winning goal for sure, uh, but it is interesting. All right. I'll just wrap up. What a day of baseball yesterday. They're in a rain delay right now. So we're not playing and they're showing the replay of the Jordan Alvarez. You know, I look at the, like that home run was awesome, but the, the two out two-strike single by Jeremy Pena. Just a little bloop single to, to keep the drive alive. And that's what's so cool about baseball is that it changes. I mean, what was your favorite part about yesterday of everything that happened?
1: Uh, the walk-off's always exciting. If I said the suffering that the Mariners fans went through, Dino, would that be like too harsh? Because, I mean, the the glory of what they did to Toronto in Toronto after being down 8-1, I I was watching that game, seeing the lead slowly evaporate and the Mariners just start to take over. And then they get a dose of their own medicine uh, on the walk-off. But you know what? I'm sure they'll bounce back. Uh, but I think that that whole paradox and ironic kind of twist is is the one you look at, and you go that 's what 's special about baseball in october is is the magic that it creates and uh, Good on the Dodgers against the the Padres last night, the uh, mm-hmm. rain coming down late in the game Like I feel like that 's going to be an interesting series to keep an eye on as well.
0: Yeah, we'll see tonight. Kershaw going against the Padres tonight. He owns them. Like forty-five yep. appearances, twenty-three and nine, three hundred and ten strikeouts. But they hit lefties really well. Not last night, but but they do. So I think that is going to. I'm a Dodgers fan, and they scare me a little bit just because. They have Juan Soto, and that guy could just, you know, flip the switch at any point, and they do have uh, some good pitching. But it'll be interesting when they get going today, National League today, American League tomorrow, and lots of hockey tonight, Tom. It'll be so fun to follow the season. Uh, Next time I see you, by the way, I've got some uh, juicy GCs for you for Acme Meat Market in the Ritchie area. Best butcher shop in Edmonton, let me tell you. I had some ribeyes from Corey Meyer the other day, and they were so good. We got our turkey from there, so I'm going to – you know, I I want you to be able to eat, so I'm going to give you gift cards <laughs> for some beautiful steaks or whatever you want uh, for joining the show with me all the time. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight.
1: Dino, always a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to that meat, buddy. I'm a carnivore through and through.
0: All right. Take care. There is uh, Tom Gazzola. Uh, he'll have the pre- and the post-game show tonight on TSN 1260, Oilers Canucks,